Thank you for joining us today. Whether you are part of the Lighthouse family, be it on-site with us weekly or tuning in online, we'd love to connect with you via our social media at Lighthouse Ely. It's on all our social media platforms. I hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Ah, it's good to see you. Happy New Year, everybody. We're going to do a couple of things this morning. Uh, I say couple, I mean three. I mean three things this morning. Um, We're continuing our series on what's on your chalkboard. And uh, we've been looking at our vision and our values and, you know, what we hold to be true. And uh, also how that truth then works in our lives. You know what someone believes by the way they act. You know, not necessarily by the way they talk. Um, It's like when you have children, you say, do as I say, not as I do. Um, But of course, with children, it's, what do they call it? Monkey see, monkey do. Um, They tend to follow your actions, tend to be more than your words. And then when you see the behavior in your children, and you're thinking, where did they learn that? And uh, of course, it's all good behavior you're seeing. So you're thinking, yeah, that's from me. Not, not, not from her. That's definitely from me, all that good behavior. Um, oh, she's there. Careful what I say. Um, no, probably the, the other way around. And um, amen says uh, Rosalind. Okay, here we go. We're going to jump in. So three things I want to look at this morning very quickly. Now the Christmas period, and we're into the new year, talking about what our visions, our values are, what uh, values that we hold, and how do we express those values in our community. So today's a bit of a recap on your chair. I've got the Apostles' Creed. Um, I don't know if you know much about the creeds um, and how they came to about, so I'll just talk briefly about that. Um, then I want to introduce, which is next week's topic, really, which is why we need a saviour. Why do we need salvation? What is salvation? What does it mean to us? And then finally, I want to just quickly acknowledge that there are differences in the way, especially when it comes to salvation and the work of Christ, there are differences, and they're perhaps cultural differences, that we can see the same truth, but we might see it from a a different angle. And I just want to go through a couple of those you know, this helps us, especially we go on the mission field when we go to Southeast Asia. It helps us understand that they might have a different dynamic to what we see. And, and you'll see that coming up. And I wanna, I'll, I'll close with that. The Apostles' Creed. Well, there are probably three or four versions of the Creed. The Nicene Creed, the Apostles' Creed. And um, they have changed. The earliest version they reckon is around 150 AD, or CE as they call it now, as Christian era. Um, but it was certainly confirmed in the 4th century and, and written down. And uh, the particular one we have now is probably closer to the 5th century version. But this was, what my point is, this has been around for a long time. And this was written by a group of church leaders and theologians, and they wanted to unify some of the doctrines, of course, and separate what they considered orthodox and what they considered heretical. Heretical? I don't know. However you say that word. Um, But the two creeds particularly developed in the early church, and they're certainly used regularly in worship today. So over the centuries, these were developed Um, often used on people preparing um, to become a member of the church or to be confirmed or to be baptized, and different traditions use these in different ways. 
Um, it was thought to include the essential teaching of the 12 apostles, hence called the Apostles' Creed and Jesus' earliest followers. So it's important to understand the origins of these things and why at that time they felt they need to bring some unity across the different churches. And uh, this is held by pretty much most, um, I would say, Orthodox Christian beliefs. And when I say Orthodox, I don't mean um, the Orthodox Church. I mean Orthodox as in it's the right thing that we should all believe. Um, So let's just have a quick look at this one. Um, Maybe we can read this together. Here we go. Are you going to read with me? Thank you. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated on the right hand of the Father and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins and the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. As I said before, amen. As I said before, when we say Catholic Church, that word is universal. So it's, it's the belief that we are one church. And uh, I think that's because Catholic might mean different things to different people. But in this context, I think there was only the Catholic Church at that time. This is before the Orthodox split. Um, this is before the Reformations uh, and things like that. So you understand that they believe in one church, universal church. Similarly, if you went on our website, you would find our statement of belief. And uh, this follows a very similar uh, kind of pattern but then what we are trying to do is say, okay, well, this is our, our starting point. It's a very good starting point. It's where many churches use it. But we look at um, to include how that works out in our lives. So this is, I'll just read. We believe the one true God who lives eternally in three persons, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The love and grace and sovereignty of God in creating, sustaining, ruling, redeeming, and judging the world. The divine inspiration and supreme authority of the Old Testament and New Testament scriptures, which are the written word of God, fully trustworthy for faith and conduct. The dignity of all people, made male and female in God's image, to love and be holy and care for creation, yet corrupted by sin, which incurs divine wrath and judgment. The incarnation of God's eternal Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, born of the Virgin Mary, truly divine, truly human, yet without sin. The atoning sacrifice of Christ on the cross, dying in our place, paying the price for our sin and defeating evil, so reconciling us with God. The bodily resurrection of Christ, the first fruits of our resurrection, his ascension to the Father, his reign and mediation as the only saviour of the world. The justification of sinners solely by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. The ministry of God the Holy Spirit who leads us to repentance. 
He unites us with Christ through new birth and empowers our discipleship and enables our witness. The church, the body of Christ, both local and universal, the priesthood of all believers, given life by the Spirit and endowed with the Spirit's gifts to worship God, to proclaim the gospel, to promote justice and love. The personal and visible return of Jesus Christ to fulfill these purposes of God who will raise all people to judgment, bring eternal life to the redeemed and eternal condemnation to the lost and establish a new heaven and a new earth. So the basis um, of our faith is kind of where our starting point is. So that's a little recap. I spoke a little bit about that last week. And what are we going to look at in the next coming weeks? Um, we're going to look at salvation. We're looking at the effects of these things on our lives. As James would write, um, I will show you my faith or my belief in God by the way I live, by the way I conduct myself. If we're going to sign up for a set of doctrines, a statement of faith, um, then I think that's an initial reaction, isn't it? It's an initial thing, but what happens then is the Holy Spirit begins to work in our lives. And he begins to bring these truths into a place where we are embodying those truths. If we truly believe in God Almighty, and that belief therefore then affects the way we act and the way we believe. I love um, in 1 Peter 1... um, Peter kind of summarizes this uh, about salvation and what this means. And I'll begin in verse 1. I don't know if I've got verse 1 up there. Probably not. Um, Don't you hate it when preachers do that? Say verses 2 and 3, but then they skip back to verse 1. I think verse 1 is good. God planned long ago to choose you by making you his holy people, which is the Spirit's work. I love that. I love that because... If it's my work, I know I'm going to fall short. True or not true? But it's the Spirit's work. God wanted you to obey him. Tell me that's going to be God's work as well. And to be made clean by the blood of the death of Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be yours more and more. By his, that's God's, this is verse 2. By God's great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So you see what Peter's doing in his first letter. He's saying, right, this is, God's planned this long ago. This isn't plan B. Um, and plan A didn't work. This is all part of it. God wants you as his people, his holy people, and his Holy Spirit's going to help. He's made us a new birth into a new family, making all things new, and then preserving us until the end. But this is where we understand where is my place in all of this history, uh, you know, from, from Genesis to Revelation, where... Where are we at? And I love the writings of N.T. Wright. And he, he looks at uh, God's great plan. As in, this is one story. If you look up the Bible project as well, they look at Scripture as one story. And then, once you take a step back and have a look at the whole thing, then you can step in and say, this is where I am. Whether it's 
21st century, where am I in the 21st century and all of this in God's plan? Or where am I on my journey in my faith? What's the Holy Spirit speaking to me today about? You know, I met with a, um, a pastor friend, Anson, for a little while this week. And um, one of the things she said, uh, her name's Bev, one of the things she said is she said, what flows through everything is forgiveness. You know, it flows through our bloodstream, forgiveness. And I know we know that, but when she said that, something just clicked inside me. And I said, Lord, I need this. When you cut me, what do I bleed? I bleed forgiveness. You know, when I suffer, what, do I su- what comes out is forgiveness. And, I, and it's a truth we all know. But you know how the Holy Spirit just has a way of making things just pinpoint you. You know, when, you know, maybe you've got an issue with someone or maybe you've got a problem with someone or maybe it's historical and you don't really speak to that person. But then God starts working on you. And all of a sudden, it's not like you even have to see them. But when you do see them, what comes out is that forgiveness. I really believe that. God does a work in us. Do you believe that? One, two, if you believe that. Come on, and, and this is how the Holy Spirit works in us. This is not what I'm preaching on, I don't, but this is for somebody out there. You know, maybe it's forgiveness, maybe it's some healing, maybe it's some long-term thing that's just been burdening you, burdening you. And you'd love to have fellowship and relationship with that person, but something inside you is just not working. And I, I know trauma, and I, and I understand you know, these things are easy to say. But I genuinely believe if you ask, like Rosalind preached, you will receive. If you knock, the door will be open unto you. If you seek, you will find. And I think, Lord, open my heart to forgiveness. Open my heart. And maybe I'm in a situation where I can't see that person because the pain's just too much. And I understand those things. I do. And, uh, you know, if you want to talk some more about that, we'd love to to pastorally deal with that but the principle I'm talking about is the problems in me and I need to forgive I need to just open up my heart and God works on us irrespective of the other person I've got notes somewhere yes N.T. Wright looking at the Bible so he's got creation fall Israel and Jesus and, he, and the fifth act, if this is a Shakespearean play, if you like, the fifth act is the New Testament. And the New Testament would then be the first scene of that fifth act. And it's the idea that we're not just repeating those stages. We are part of, we're players on the stage, if you like, of, and we need to know our role. We need to know when we're, our time is to step forward. And we are in that fifth act. And of course, we understand that the fifth act then finishes in the end of Revelation, the last two. Um, and and we, we'll talk about that another time. But it's this unfinished drama, if you like, that we have a key role in playing and moving that story forward. So it's good to look back at the creed. It's good to look back at uh, some of our statements of our faith and, uh, and hold the word of God in a place where you know, it can speak to us throughout this fifth act. So the Christian life we live today is living out that final act. 
you know, the, the early believers and those first disciples, they would have believed that they are in the end times. We know this because when Peter spoke, um, he quoted Joel, and Joel says, in the end times, in the last days, you will prophesy. Your sons and your daughters, your old men, young men, dream dreams, have visions, all these things. And I will pour out my spirit on all flesh in the last days. So, you know, we know the last days began there. And those disciples maybe thought the last days were in their lifetime. And certainly, I think there's a key to living that way because we need to live that way, like it's the last days. And, you know, either way, this is my last days. Not days. I mean, I'm planning to live longer than this week. Um, but live in a way that I know my time is uh, finite and only God is infinite, infinite. Stay on track. I want to get through this. So how do we act in response to the work of Christ in the final act that we are living in, in the world we're living in? And there's, there's an understanding that the world is, is broken and creation is broken. And there's an understanding that we are broken people. And if we're not feeling particularly broken, uh, we know someone that is broken. And I love Jesus' approach. And it was always healing first. It was always healing first. If you look in the scriptures, the people that came to him for salvation, and that word salvation includes healing. It includes being, it's this idea of being whole. Um, and in his first uh, famous sermon, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to heal the, heal the broken. And Jesus' approach might be different to our approach when it came to the gospel. You know, he's, he's talking to people and it's almost like, what can I do for you? How are you broken? Can I heal you? Can I restore you? And I think that's a big part of what the church's role is today, is to heal the broken. And just say to someone, how can I, how can I pray for you? And I would, not 100%, I would 99% people would say, yeah, you can pray for me. Begin with the problem. Salvation is needed because we are broken people and broken world. Salvation is needed for both the creature and the creation. And this word salvation, as I said, it means to deliver out of danger, to bring into a place of safety. It's like rescuing God's people from the penalty and the power of sin. Um, you need read Romans, it talks about the power of sin and the power of death and how Jesus is, has dealt with that. We're going to get into that next week, hopefully. But it also means to save one from suffering. If one is suffering from disease, it's to make well and restore to health. To save in the biblical sense also has an eternal uh, aspect to it. It's the saving from the Messiah's judgment. To save from the evils that obstruct the reception of the Messiah's deliverance and to make one positively salvation means to, to partake in all that Christ has for us. To partake in the salvation that Christ has provided for us. And the sinner we know has, has this is next week's sermon I'm going to talk about, is what is our condition as broken people? We are in debt. We are in debt that we cannot pay. We're as condemned criminals, the scripture says. It says we're an enemy of God. We're a slave to our passions and to our 
sins. We are defiled and unholy. We are dead in our sins and trespasses. And it says we are estranged from God and we are poor. We are poor stranger. And in this sevenfold problem, God has a sevenfold solution. As sinners or debtors, we need forgiveness. As condemned criminals, we need justification. As enemies of God, we need reconciliation. As slaves to sin, we need redemption. As defiled and unholy, we need sanctification, holiness. As dead, we need newness of life. As poor strangers, we need to be adopted into the family of God. This is forgiveness, justification, reconciliation, redemption, sanctification, newness of life, and adoption. I'm going to pick up on that next week. So it's an understanding of not only of our statements of belief, but and how does that then operate in our lives today. And it's the realization that things aren't all they could be and things aren't as they should be. And I think if you speak to most people, they will have that understanding that things could be better. That a situation that I'm in could be better. And the, another realization is that I can't do it. And I need, a, and I need a savior. I need that salvation. I need that future hope. You know, there's nothing we can do to stop, the, to stop death. You know, we can slow the progress of death, but we can't stop it. So these things are out of our hands. So we need a savior when it comes to our sin. Uh, missing the mark. Sin means to miss the mark of God's standard of perfection. Uh, and if we're honest, we all miss that standard of perfection. And we can't, and death, they're the, they're the two things that we know Christ came in his salvation to deal with and to take care of. So, just a note on, you know, I think I mentioned um, our, our beliefs and our core and our understanding that we are. Uh, sinners in needing a saviour, we also understand that we're on a journey. Yeah, I don't stand up here like I am perfect. Uh, you know, I've got my wife listening to this message and she would contradict that straight away. Uh, you know, I'm not standing up here saying I'm perfect. I'm on a journey like we're all on a journey. And I think that's important that we understand that God works by his Holy Spirit, by his grace, through our faith. And he asks us to engage our faith and our trust in him. And then through his grace, he works things by his spirit. And we'll find that his Holy Spirit speaks to us very individually and brings things to our minds and saying, okay, that's, that's not quite right. You know, and, and, and the Holy Spirit works on that. So I do want to say that. Also, I'll just close it with this thought that there's different ideas of salvation. I've got this document from when we used to do, um, when we used to do a lot of uh, overseas missions and, and understanding how different cultures and how the different theological debates over, the, over some 2,000 years um, have come about. So we have a set of doctrines that unite us but it doesn't remove the conversations on how they enact in our lives. We're going to take just one um, kind of uh, point here, and I think I've got these up on screen. Um, I've got three different uh, things. Here we go. So um, guilt is, is the first one. Uh, skip to the next one. Shame, next one. And final one, fear. Yeah, so... 
three um, different modes of operating. And these vary across cultures. For instance, um, in a guilt-based culture, the society is very individualistic. Um, when we talk about sin, it's all how can I be forgiven from sin. Um, the, the, uh, go back to guilt. There we go. So the metaphor we kind of understand is this is a courtroom scene. If you, we're still back to our five-act five drama, five-act play. And we approach things very individualistic. So when I'm talking about me, um, it's me and, and not anyone else. And this metaphor is a kind of a legalistic one. There's an individualistic, uh, there's a courtroom, if you like. God is the lawgiver and the judge. And sin means breaking the law. Christ's work is a sacrifice. And salvation is all about forgiveness. And our mission is the truth. Um, so we can... We can resonate with this one, you know, when we're thinking about um, our guilt, you know, what is the answer? We go to, to the judge and the judge stamps it not guilty. The lawgiver, he's perfect, he's just, um, but he alone has this high standard and in his sovereignty, um, we're looking for personal righteousness. It's kind of an individual culture. And I think that maybe describes a lot of the West, where we, um, it's all about me and all about us. And I think there's, there's, a, there's a lot of dangers in that. Um, another one is more of a, a fear-based. Um, so this one, um, we see this particularly when we go to Southeast Asia. They have a, their foundation is very animistic um, uh, worship. That's the kind of cultural thing. And there's ancestor worship that they do, and that animism is there's a, um, if you like, there's a spirit behind everything. Um, and it's all about um, power, and it's all about uh, control, and um, it's very much a combat mes- metaphor. It's, um, so I'm in fear, um, I go to God, who's the ruler and the creator, um, and I look for Christ to come and conquer. Where my sin lies is... is um, what was the other one? It was not in necessarily law-breaking, but this is in idolatry. So this then is more of a heart issue. Is uh, you know Where is my allegiance? But Christ came to conquer. Um, he's the conqueror. And the, the metaphor of the atonement here is Christ the victor. So Christ has defeated the enemy. Um, salvation is about how uh, we can have peace and we can have freedom. And... Uh, the mission is the power. We want to get the power of God. So that's different from the first one, which our emphasis is trying to get people into truth. This one's all about, you know, we're, we're coming and defeating the forces of darkness in the enemy. Um, the final one, shame. Uh, so this is a more collective kind of thought, is um, how are we as a community um, and I want my community to be respected, so how do I act and how do I operate? Um, this talks about God has this father figure, and we are a family. And if I am out of communion with God, it's because I'm disloyal. But Christ is that mediator. Um, he's the one bringing us back together, bringing us into a place of unity as a community. Um, so Father Patron, glorious, super, uh, superior, faithful God, he alone um, is the only one that can bring about a communal change. 
And uh, as a mediator, salvation is restoring your honor. You know, I think there's a lot of cultures where honor and saving face is a, is a really big thing. And a lot of our cultures are very mixed anyway. Um, but the mission is to bring people into the family of God and to bring people into the community of God. And the reason I'm, I'm just sharing these is um, all of these are true. <laughs> all of these are true. We'll go quickly skip through them. Uh, start, start. Uh, first one, there we go. Courtroom. Yes, it's a courtroom. God is the lawgiver and the judge. Next one. Is this true? God is the father. Absolutely. Is he a patron? Yes. Is disloyalty a sin? Yes. Next one. Um, idolatry. Idolatry is very clear that it's a sin. And it's true that Christ has won the victory. And we're no longer under the power of the enemy. We are into the power of God and the family of God. So my point being, you know, we need to unpack some of these things. You know, when we talk about what Christ has done on the cross, um, there's different ways of looking at it. And these are called um, uh, metaphors, aren't they? They're called different metaphors. And what we're looking at is um, a rounded view. That's what I'd like to say. A little rounded view of um, different aspects. And if you look over history, different aspects have been reflected at different times. So um, as a little bit of introduction on what our beliefs and our uh, doctrines are, there are ways that they work out in different communities. But what are our key... I'll just close and then we're going to go into communion this morning. Our key values to our faith. What are they? What do we hold as true? Because what we hold as true will affect the way we live. And I think God wants to guide us by his Holy Spirit into all truth. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. And he's helping us. And whilst it's important to remember that we're on a, a journey, I don't think we want to take that journey without a foundational understanding. What did Christ do? Christ died. Christ rose again. Christ gave us his Holy Spirit. I think there's, there's very clear, we need to be very clear that there are essentials that we have you know, and I'll pick up on this next week, that we are broken and we need healing. We're sinners and we need a saviour. And there might be different interpretations of what Christ's work did, but when it comes to our salvation, we need that basic understanding that we need Christ. I don't want to ask today, is anybody here not sure whether they know Christ? And I want to give opportunity, and I don't think we should ever miss this out because we're going to take communion now. And if you're watching online, you can get the communion stuff ready. Uh, we're going to do this in, in the house as well. Um, get get the, uh, the bread and the wine, and we use grape juice in, in our culture and our setting. What is it about communion, and why do we celebrate that? And why do we remind ourselves that Christ's body was broken for us. It's that we may be healed. I love the fact that we're doing communion this morning. But I just want us to bow our heads in, uh, in prayer just for a moment and really ask ourselves, do we know what it means to be saved? Do we know the Savior?
Do we have relationship with Jesus Christ? You know, when, all, uh, when the music fades, as um, that famous song goes, when the music fades, you know, where, where am I in my relationship with God? And I don't think that's a bad question to ask. And are there areas in my life where, where it's broken? And can I ask the Lord to come in with his healing and his help and his power? Thank you, Jesus, that we can come to you believing in you. And we may receive from you your Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, you might be talking to us individually right now about areas that are broken. And I want to pray that your, your grace is poured out upon us, that your love is poured out upon us, that your forgiveness is poured out among us, that we can be free from sin. We can be free from the fear of death because we know, Lord, you've conquered sin and you've conquered death. And I thank you, Lord, that whatever part of journey that we're on, that you take us to the next step and you reveal to us more of your love, more of your grace, more of your kindness, Lord, that you might bring us into a place of repentance. Repentance, that means change of heart. If there's areas of hardness in our heart, Lord, there's areas of bitterness that we've allowed to go rooted, Lord, let's heal that, forgive that, restore us, and make us right with you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.